The Inside Track on Real Estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track. Everything you need to know about buying and selling in the greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. Moving forward with the Decker Team. Moving forward together with the Decker Team. What do I look for in a house if I have a pet or maybe many pets? Hi, I'm Yetta Decker. And I'm Leah Dixon. And we're welcoming you to another episode of the Inside Track where we're going to explore techniques, thoughts, and tools that we all need, we all deserve. You, I, everyone, so that we can turn our house into a home and actually live the best life possible while our families thrive, which is pretty exciting. Yes, it is. So there are many fret, pet, fret. Okay, that's how I feel about pets some days. <laughs> They're friends, right? That was those two words put together, friendly pets. There are many friendly pet homes, and there's lots of things to take into consideration to make sure the home either that you're living in or the home that you might want to be purchasing, how to make it pet friendly. Right. And Leah is a bit of an expert. Why are you a bit of an expert? Well, not only do I love animals, but I like, love, 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 love in my previous life, if you want to call it that. I was a veterinary technician. Um, I've had a lot of pets over the years, many different types of pets. So there's a lot of different considerations when looking at a house when you have pets, but it's dependent on what kind of pet you have as well. Right. And so the most typical pets would be dogs and cats. Correct. Right. Those are kind of our top two. So we'll make sure we don't get too exotic for too long. However, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about a parrot house. Exactly. Right. (laughs) And so dogs and cats are the most common. And then small caged animals, whether it's hamsters or guinea pigs or rats or mice, because I have nieces and nephews that have had many, many of those. I have not succumbed to that. You probably have. Rats are actually very good pets. I know. That's what I've been told. (laughs) Or bunnies. Yeah. Bunnies, many indoor bunnies. And so the caged animals are a little bit different, snakes and that kind of thing, because it doesn't take the same number of considerations. No, not nearly as many. And cats are pretty easy as well. There's not a lot of considerations for cats. One of the things you need to look for is secured screens, because everybody knows cats love to sit perched in windows, right? And so if they're on a second floor... Does everybody know that? Well, cat lovers do. (laughs) (laughs) There's the trick. Are you a cat lover? (laughs) Okay. So you don't want a second floor window where your cat's going to sit out there to look outside and have them lean a little too hard against the screen and fall out. Uh, Yes, cats do land on their feet many times, but falling from a second story window would not be good for them. Right. So securing screens is a great tip. And it's something I never thought of when I had cats and I had them for like nine years. I loved them. They were very sweet. And now I'm really happy I don't have cats. So we had talked about, I'm going to confess, we had talked about doing a show on the pros and cons of buying a house for animals. And we decided we won't do that because many of you would not like me very much when it was all (laughs) said and done. More, not that I don't love, I loved when we had our animals. I think our lifestyle is such now that it doesn't have room. And that makes some people really sad for me. Don't be sad for me. I'm not sad for me. (laughs) And the reason we decided to do this together is Leah still has, and I'm going to say still, and I think it's going to last a lifetime, a huge soft heart for animals of really of any kind. 
And I can't imagine not having a pet. Right. To or, me, my house would seem empty if I didn't have a pet in or it. Or many pets. Or many, yes. Or many. <laughs> and so that's why we thought we would do a show on just what does it take to create a pet-friendly environment? And what do we want right. to think about? So I never thought about screens. And what a great tip. So if you've got any sort of animal, even a small dog, some of them like to crawl into windows. I've mm-hmm. seen, like, not windows, but sills and stuff. Mm-hmm. So having the screen secure. Exactly. Perfect. What other things do we want to think about? So we'll focus primarily on dogs, probably, because right. there's a lot more to consider. Yep. And then have a little fun around the parrots. Well, with dogs, one of the considerations would be a fenced yard. That would be a big one, a securely fenced yard. A lot of times people have little dogs that are diggers and they can find the weak spots in the fence and just have to dig a little bit and out they go. Um, So a secured fence is really good. Sometimes there's dog runs. People put dog runs in their backyards and those can be wonderful to have. The only comment I would have around that is be careful where it's located. Um, I had a wonderful dog run at my last house and it happened to sit right next to the hot tub. So yes. I had one of those too. So I'm going to (laughs) confess that is one stinky You have to really stay on top of it and be careful what you have in the dog run. If it's just grass, the smells are going to stay. Mulch is horrible for soaking up the urine smells. I used pea gravel and I found that was the best. It was, it was the best for cleaning up and for not being as odorous. So the last thing you want is to have this beautiful space in your backyard, a hot tub, a nice patio, and all you can smell is dog waste. That's that's not a nice no, thing. No, and it's something we hadn't thought about because we did the same thing. We put the dog run under the deck because then there was a bit of cover in winter, and that was really gross. Right. It didn't work well. <laughs> and it was also close to the house, and this dog was a Houdini. So he could climb and scale the fence and get out. Right. So <laughs> thinking about the type of fencing, because then there's also the electronic fencing. And so some people think they're phenomenal and can work Mm -hmm. and others find those difficult because there are communities. And this is something really to think about when you're thinking about where you want to buy your home. There are communities in Ottawa and outside Ottawa that do not allow traditional fences. Right. And so the only option is an electronic fence or an electric fence. And so you've got to consider, is that a community you want to live in or do you want a secure, proper fence? Right. So the other thing to consider if you don't have a fenced backyard, so maybe you found the perfect property, it has everything you want, but it doesn't have a fenced yard for your dog. Well, it's not the end of the world as long as you, you're you very careful. If you happen to live on a busy street, you have to be careful that you don't let your dog out in a, a non-secured yard and have them get out to the street. So what we've done in the house that we have currently, we don't have a, a secure area for the dogs. They go out on ropes and they don't mind that. The rope is long enough that, you know, they can go out and do their business where they need to, but we're comforted in knowing that they can't just take off. We're out there with them, but if there's somebody walking down the street with a dog, Carly's just going to take off and she wants to go say hello. So we keep her on a rope so she can't do that. She can't, uh, you know, go get hit by a car in the street or, you know, scare somebody who happens to be afraid of dogs as they're walking down the street. Right. That makes sense. Another consideration would be stairs. 
especially if you have a dog that has some hip issues or is elderly or is just the type of dog that isn't meant to really do stairs, like apparently French bulldogs. Yes, French Except bulldogs. Yeah. Some do. <laughs> Our daughter has one and he can do stairs one leap right? and he's down. However, that's not typical. So just thinking about the type of animals that you're going to have and what style of house actually will work. Right. And what about water sources? Well, you have to be very careful with that too. Sometimes people will say, okay, there's a fenced area around our pool, so that'll be safe to let our dogs out there. Not necessarily. You want to be able to be sure that the dogs can safely get out of the pool if they fall in or if they jump in. Because they might do that, right? Exactly. Um, and so parrots. We will, we, I know we bought a house around parrots before for you, actually. And so sometimes there are specific considerations where you have a unique pet that needs a unique environment. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, clearly we want to know about that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I think the typical um, considerations is really what we have to think about. Right. Perfect. So animals are such an agreeable bunch of friends because they ask no questions and they pass no judgments. And the author of that was not yet a Decker. It was George Eliot. They say dogs are man's best friend. Are they woman's best friend too? Absolutely. They are. As long as you find a great location right. for your animal. Because if you don't, especially for your dog, he ain't going to be your best friend and you ain't going to be his. So we've created for you at the Decker team over 367 episodes of the Inside Track on Real Estate, where we offer real estate insights, insider tips, how to make house, home, building wealth, and simply whole living so that we and you get to thrive in the homes that we choose to live in. So Leah, thriving in a home we live in. Yes. When we're talking, and we're talking mostly about dogs today, because if you want to watch part one, we talked a fair bit about other types of animals. And so we're focusing primarily on dogs because it seems to be our four-legged, fast-moving creatures seem to be the ones that need the most consideration. And since they're our best friend, we want to give them the most consideration. Right. So location. What aspects around location does somebody want to consider when they're either buying a new home or they're going out to buy a new pet that will help them enjoy their best friend? Well, first of all, you want to make sure that you've got a, a great spot close by where you can take them for walks. Dogs tend to love their walks. And if you've got a great neighborhood that's already pet friendly, maybe your neighbors have dogs and you can get together with them and have a little dog walking party, you know, yeah. <laughs> oftentimes dogs like to associate with other dogs. So if there are other ones in the neighborhood that you could go for walks with, that would be a, a great asset. Um, other things to consider, I guess, um, location to other services would be a big one. So you want to make sure that you have access to a veterinarian, to your pet stores, because all pets eat, you've got to get their food. And, you know, it, it can't be in some crazy location that takes you 40 minutes to get to just to go pick up their food. Because Unless you plan for it. Well, yes, yeah, you could plan for it. it. That's be, right. Yeah. 
But if you're looking for an ideal location for, you know, a, a pet owner, then these are some of the things that they could think about. So boarding kennels, there's a boarding kennel close by. Dog parks, dog parks are a huge one. So like I said earlier. Where you earlier, can off-leash. Exactly. So when you're walking in your neighborhood, it's a good idea to always keep your dog on a leash. But in a dog park, you can let them free and they can run and make friends. And it's just, it's like, playtime, playdates for the dogs. So that's a great consideration as well. It really is good. And I know the type of animal you have. I don't mean, I guess, type of dog. Because if you picture right now, if I say to you, dog, chances are each of you that is hearing this or watching this is picturing a very different dog. Yes. Right. I might be thinking Samoid, probably am, because that's the kind of dog's we had for so many years. What kind of dog are you thinking? I'm thinking French bulldog. Because those are that's your favorite That's what I've had for years. Yeah. Right. And if you are a chow owner, that's probably what you're thinking. And if you've loved Great Danes, probably that's what you're thinking. Or maybe you're a chihuahua lover. Or maybe it's a poodle. Or maybe it's some exotic other type of dog. Whatever you're picturing, each of them actually has very unique needs. They do. And when you mentioned chihuahuas, (laughs) I thought of barking. So if you have a barking dog, you have to take things into consideration as well. Mm. If you're located right next to some sort of walking path or bike path that has a lot of traffic, a lot of people traffic, not car traffic, then that may cause your dog to be barking constantly. If they bark every time they see someone go by, then maybe you don't want to be located right next to a a place that has a lot of people that are going to cause him to bark. Right. And then there is that whole barking color thing that can give them shocks. And I know you would not be an advocate. I got it. (laughs) I knew before I said it. So thinking about the kind of person you are, is really what came up for me there is just thinking about what lengths would you go to to have a location that maybe isn't as conducive to your pet and yet or maybe you're already living somewhere and you're thinking I didn't know that my Samoy was going to be a barker because right. I'm going to say that you just gave Chihuahuas a bad rap. I think and I I'm, did, and I and, didn't mean to do that. And <laughs> I'm going to go in defense of Chihuahuas okay. because I have actually met some amazing little Chihuahuas. I have too. That are not barkers. Right. And yet they have a reputation. It's the stereotype. It yes, is the stereotype. That's right. And I've met some lovely, quiet Chihuahuas myself. <laughs> I, my son said it to me this way because he has a chow right now, and chows have certain temperaments that some people are thinking aren't great. And he said, it's really not about the dog. It's more about the dog owner. That's exactly it. And there are some breeds that have tendencies to doing certain things or behaving a certain way. But if you've got a a proper owner, somebody who knows what they're doing, it doesn't have to be an issue. It really doesn't, right? And so Leah is advocating no barking collars. And I'm saying, well, consider it. I know. We don't agree. <laughs> and so the great news is you get to make your own I, I opinion. think that was the other way around. I'm not advocating. Oh, the, you're not the, advocating the, for the collars. Them. No. No. Oh, did I even try to put that on you? 
Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, I'm not advocating for them either. And yet I have seen them work. Right. And so it's something you have to think about what your tolerance is for that kind of thing. Or the other kind of animal and kind, I say type, is if you have a runner. Right. We had a Samoid. And the breed is known to be runners. And so it was very difficult if that door got cracked open because somebody came and knocked on the door and one of the kids opened the door for the person knocking, mm -hmm. that dog was gone. Right. So where I was located really mattered. We were in a rural, quasi-rural area, village area, so there was slow-moving traffic. There was nothing fast. So although it was excruciating to try and find the dog and driving the streets looking for the dog, it, he wasn't at risk, right. significantly at risk anyway, because it was 40 kilometers an hour zones and that kind of stuff. So thinking about the type of dog you have and what location factors are a bigger concern. Right. And sometimes you can live in a location where those are a concern. Maybe you don't have a choice or maybe you've, you've made that choice to to live in that particular location. Yeah. There are other ways around it. There are excellent animal behaviorist in the city. There is a veterinarian here who's fantastic with animal behavior. Um, there's dog trainers in the city that are very good as well. So sometimes it's more training your dog to behave in certain ways to adapt to your current environment. That's an amazing thing. Maybe we need that for me as a person. <laughs> Adapt to my environment in well, a better way. Typically, dog trainers train the people, not the dogs. I know. That's <laughs> kind of what Ryan's comment yeah. was about, right? It is the people, not the dog. Yep. And the things that we're talking about are really all about reducing stress for you as well as reducing stress for your pet. Right. Because if you're yelling at your pet every time it barks because somebody walks by, that can't be a whole lot of fun. No, not and, for you or the dog. Right. The anxiety can go through the roof. So what we want to make sure we all get to do, and I have been a pet owner for many years, so it's more tongue-in-cheek when we give me a hard time, um, is really we want to make sure that we create an environment and a space that allows the dog in our life, or the cats, the other animals, to be our best friend so that we're not in opposition with them. Is my pet going to make it harder to sell my house? Or is it going to make my house sell for less? Is a question we get asked a lot. So welcome to another segment of the Inside Track where we're going to share ideas, thoughts, techniques on really how to make the most out of our house. And in this particular episode, we're going to talk a fair bit about our pets and making sure that the impact, because the short answer to that question I asked at the top of the show, the short answer is, yes, it's going to have an impact. Yes, it's going to make it a little harder to sell, and it may sell for less, unless you take the steps that we're about to encourage you to take to minimize or eliminate the impact on both the sale price, the time on market, and actually on your pet. So I think one of the biggest things to take into consideration when selling your house and you have pets is smell. So, huge. Like, huge. As a pet lover myself, mm -hmm. um, I, I understand that 
all pets can have a unique smell. Just like all humans. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like houses. There's Houses have their own, I don't know if it's the house so much or is the family in the house. The foods we cook, the laundry detergents we use, the products that we utilize in our home all create a unique smell to a home. Right. But then if you add a, a dog who maybe has long hair, maybe has some sort of skin condition, you never know. Having a skin condition can make them smell pretty strong. Yeah. Um, sometimes they just get wet and you've got, then they go jump on your furniture and you've got wet dog smell in your house. So, and it don't come out that easy. No, I mean, it really it doesn't. It's, it's effort. And the problem is when you live there, you often don't smell it yourself. Generally not at all. So right? you get used to the smell and you don't really smell it anymore. Yeah. And so you need a fresh nose to come into your house and let you know that you do have pet smells. Yeah. Um, and dogs aren't the worst. The cats, their litter box tends to be very smelly. And again, we often don't smell it when we live with those cats mm -hmm. ourselves, but somebody coming into our house can right. typically smell it. Oftentimes, cats don't hit the litter box every time. They can get urine on the floor around the litter box, and that smell is so difficult to get out. Why am I smiling? Because I've sold some properties that my eyes cried. Right. The tears ran down my face. So I'm just remembering experiences. After 30 years in the industry, I have experiences that you don't want to know I've had. I don't want to know I've had. And certainly a dozen or so cats in a house that weren't clean, literally the eyeballs rolled. Now, that's extreme. That doesn't usually happen. But, of course, those are the memories that tar you, scar right. you, and stay with you. So in terms of smell, I love that point, and I'm going to focus on it for a few minutes because smell, we don't even know necessarily that it's impacted us. And the number of times over the last 30 years, I've had clients walk into a home and hit the front door, literally, or even outside the front door as we're about to walk in and go, we're done. And I go, we're done. And they don't even initially know why they're done. But whatever they've just smelt, whether it's the kind of plants that are around the front door, whether it is a pet odor, whether it is a food odor whether it's a damp, moist smell, because that makes you think you've got problems in your basement. So that's a huge one. And yet, even something like dirty dog smell off furniture that you mentioned a minute ago can be enough for somebody to recoil, turn around, and walk away and not even give your home a chance, whereas it could have been the perfect place for them. And it just bypasses the sense of smell bypasses language right right it just it's just there and so leah's point about when you live in the home you don't notice it invite someone i'm a great realtor to have in when it comes to that because my nose since i was ill is like super sensitive super and having somebody in who has a sensitive nose because not everybody will be bothered by the same smells Right. And I think mine got trained by my clients because as soon as one of those turn around and we're going the other way would happen, my question would always be, 
Can you put a finger on that? Like what just caused you to say, we're done and we haven't really gotten started? And I would say at least four out of five times, it has to do with smell. Right. If it's that quick, like if it's that quick. So you can't put too much effort into mitigating animal smells because it will negatively affect the value of your home. And that's not even enough to take your pet away. No, in a case where you've got urine on the floor outside the litter box, removing your pet from the home is not going to do anything for that smell. And a lot of people think they can just bleach it out. Bleach will take care of everything. But no, no, bleach doesn't take no, care of everything. No, it does not. You need a, a good enzyme cleaner to get rid of the urine. Um, there are very good essential oils that you can use yep. as well. Um, but yeah, just regular cleaners are not going to do it for cat urine. And the one thing you don't want to do, I beg you, and I would actually get on my knees if it wasn't inappropriate in the setting beg you is don't use artificial scent cover-ups. Then you just smell flowery urine. Yeah, you just, (laughs) now you feel like you want to sneeze and you want to cough and you're not sure what the smell is and it feels like a cover-up. So it feels like a cover-up, probably is a cover-up. And even if it's not, that's what it's going to become as. So handling the smell part is like number one to not have it affect the value of your home. Right. Number one. Number two would be any damage that's been caused by the animals, cats scratching carpets, claw marks on door frames. It's very common for me to go to a home and see things damaged in the house and that damage not repaired before going on the market or thinking they shouldn't repair it. It will devalue your home. Scratched up hardwood is a big one for dog owners as well. Huge. Yeah. I have experienced that many a time with clients, and I understand it's a big project to take the furniture out and have it finished before you show the home. And I can assure you that in very rare situations, it's got to be where the house already needs an extensive amount of work. If it needs a ton of work, well, then it's okay. It doesn't matter if they're scratched up hardwood because they're budgeting for a renovation project. So if it's a contractor special or a do-it-yourselfer project, it's fine. Otherwise, it will negatively impact your value way more than the cost of refinishing that hardwood floor. Right. Can we look at this from the pet's perspective? Yeah, let's do it real quick. You've got about 30 seconds. Okay. Stand for the pet. When you're selling your home, it's already a stressful time for your pet. They don't know what's going on. They see you doing things that you wouldn't normally do around the house. And then you have a showing. Mm. Really, you're leaving the dog alone. Maybe you crate it. But there are strange people coming in the house and you're not there. That's very confusing for a dog. So try to think of it from their perspective. As much as it's nice for the actual showing and good for selling your home to not have them there, it's good from their perspective too, not to have strange people coming through their home and having them not understand what's going on. Yeah, it's awful for them. Right. I've seen some very stretched out, stressed out pets. And I've even had one or two get loose where I don't know they're behind the door. That's an awful thing. So want to take really good care of yourself and your pets because if you're stressed, they're stressed. And if they're stressed, 
you're stressed. So that ain't no fun for anybody. So thank you for joining us on another episode of the Inside Track. We're grateful to be your partners in moving forward together because together we've got this. Moving forward with the Decker team. Moving forward together with the Decker team.